Welcome to LilyPod episode 28, a mid-singles guide to progress. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. A mid-singles guide to progress is the second of three sections in our book, Intentional Courtship, and it mirrors the subtitle, which is a mid-singles guide to peace, progress, and pairing up. Right. And, you know, we've had uh, a lot of thoughts as we've gone through this pro- process of putting this book together. And we we talked last time about creating peace in our lives, and, and it's the best foundation to begin making relationships uh, if we have a heart at peace. And sometimes that's hard when we've had a heart at war, um, you know, with a former spouse or some other relationship. And so we want to move a little bit more now into some of the nuts and bolts of how do you get started dating? I mean, I know that was a very daunting kind of subject for me. I hadn't dated in you know, more than 15 years uh, since I'd been married. And we happen to know a lot of mid-singles who haven't dated in many years, even as single people. Right. So if it's something you're considering, this is definitely helpful. Right. Uh, The first chapter of the six chapters that are in this section is online dating, the wild west of mid-single life. (laughs) Jeff came up with that. Yeah, and I think it's it's fairly descriptive. Now, I, I want to say about this that I I've heard a lot of people sort of proudly proclaim, "I don't do online dating," and my response is always, "Well, why not?" Uh, and there are there are reasons, but I want to suggest that saying you're you know you want to date, but you refuse to do online dating in this day and age is kind of like uh, there's a job you want that's posted on a website and you say, I, I refuse to apply online. I insist on mailing in a paper packet package, resume package. Oh, it might make you stand out. <laughs> <laughs> I think most times they're not even set up for that anymore. Well, and by the time they get your resume, you'd probably... It would already be filled. Right. I think it it would be too slow. And how many of us get a chance to meet anyone in our jobs when we're single parents or we're already in our careers and we're no longer in college? I mean, that's that can be really challenging. Right. This uh, this chapter is eight pages long, and we don't have time to summarize the whole thing in this uh, broadcast. But I will say uh, one thing is safety first. That doesn't mean being paranoid, uh, but meet in a very public, well-lit area the first time. Don't have the person come and pick you up at your house. And and by the way, that's fairly conventional now that um, 
if you have met someone online and, and in many cases, even if you met them in person somewhere, uh, the first date you always meet at a neutral place uh, that's well lit and public because you need to get to know this person a little bit better before you trust them to know where you live and you know, all of the, and meeting them in private and well, and, and I, so forth. I personally, I loved the online dating thing and I didn't give out my number or my last name and they made it so easy to do that until I would meet the person. And that would sometimes make it fun and kind of complicated to, to meet up without being able to be in touch so directly, but it worked right. and it kept me safe and it made me feel comfortable if I didn't want them to have that much information about me. Right. Before I met them. Yeah. So s safety first, um, for reasons that we've both um, suggested, that's, that's one thing about online dating. Another is um, keep in mind that an online dating profile is basically an advertisement. You don't want to make it really long and detailed because people don't read them. Uh, people essentially want to get a, a rough idea of who they're talking to. And the more um, real you can be, the more authentic your relationships will develop. Right. And by the way, don't lie about your age. Don't put a picture on there that was taken 10 years ago. You know, be, be honest and upfront. Um, give your proper age. Put some good representative photos of you in there. Um, and, you know, if you've got a few extra pounds or whatever that you don't like, well, join the club. A lot of us have been there, uh, but it's best not to hide because ultimately if the relationship goes anywhere, they're going to find out your real age or they're going to find out uh, your real name or they're going to find out that you're out of shape. <laughs> and so it's, it's important to just be honest give a brief explanation, save the, the detailed stuff for when you're actually on a date or in a phone call. Yeah. I always say be your best self and represent your real self. Right. Yeah. And I say be brief because in an evening when so, if somebody's going through their, their dating app or their particular account, they're, they're going through, you know, dozens of these profiles at one time and they're probably not sitting down and reading them. They're, they're briefly skimming them and getting an idea. Is this someone I might like to get to know better? So, so that's another thing about online dating. One last thing. Uh, don't send money to anybody that you have met online, at least until you have met them in person. Uh, and I've, I've seen this, this scam tried so many times, uh, both with myself and others. And thankfully I never fought, I never fell for it. But, uh, you know, for some reason with me, I, the ones that always tried it were women from Russia. Don't know why that is, but could be from anywhere. And, and this is good, just good standard <coughs> internet etiquette anyway. Right. The, you'll get pictures of a really attractive member of the opposite sex in a different country and they'll start telling you they love you really early in the communication. And, you know, I, I started thinking something was fishy when that happened. And then uh, it'll continue on and, oh, I've got a really sick child that's going to die if we don't get her an operation. You know, can you even send me a thousand dollars? 
and it's really not, it's really not real. Um, so don't, you know, and I've told women. And even if by some chance, which is very minute, that it could be real, there's no reason that you can't get more verification than that. <laughs> right. So as Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So I'm not, I wouldn't assume that people are lying, but if you get um, somebody that's messaging you and it sounds like English is not their first language from the messages, but they're saying they're from Oregon, ask them what the capital city of Oregon is. You know, something like that, that you can start to tell after a while if somebody's trying to scam you. Well, and you have the spirit too. Right. Yeah. And I'll say 99% of the time, the people you meet online are just wanting what you want and they're not trying to scam you, but right. you just need to keep your eyes open for that. All right. So <clears throat> how about asking someone for a date in, in my experience, uh, that is the hardest thing to do in the initial part. And a lot of people put it off. They'll think I'm going to, get to know them first and lay a foundation, then I'll ask them out. The problem with that is, I know what Kathy's gonna say. What am I gonna say? Well, once you've built it up in your mind and you've been talking to your girlfriends or guy friends about it, you know, your same sex friends, then it's a bigger deal to ask it's them out. It's true. You get more nervous, you lose your courage. I think it's best to be direct and ask for what you want sooner rather than later and have it be a date not let's hang out if you want it to be a date make sure that they know that's what you want right i mean if i meet an attractive person at a mid singles ward or whatever it is and uh i am interested but i don't ask them out soon uh i literally you know watching them from afar, I don't really get much of a picture of who they are. And I may be creating a picture in my mind of who this person is and investing in it emotionally. And really, they're just an empty vessel that I'm pouring my hopes and dreams into. <laughs> and when I meet them, they may not live up to that. And then I'll be disappointed. And there's just so many reasons not to go that way. I remember there was a girl that I met that I really wanted to get to know. And I had just shaken hands with her a couple of times. She seemed like a very pleasant person. And at two Ward Linger Longers, I got thwarted from meeting her, even though I was trying to. I'd go to walk across the room and someone would stop to, me to talk. And, and it just didn't happen. And so finally, after the second time that happened, I sent her a text. I just looked in our ward directory and I, I sent her a text and I said, hey, I'm sorry if this comes out of the blue, but I'm a member of your ward and I've um, noticed you around and you seem like a really sweet, pleasant person. And uh, I'd like to get to know you. That sounds kind of forward, but you know what? She was totally flattered. She texted me back. We texted all evening back and forth and I made a date for the next weekend. So it, you know, it, it sounds scary and that's part of the deal. You know, if you're going to, a little bit of fear is the price of admission. And if you approach someone special and they turn you down, you give yourself credit for trying. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, you're not going to be everyone's choice. And that's okay. 
I mean, I got turned down a time or two during my mid-single years, not a huge amount, but it happened uh, on a few occasions. And, um, you know, yeah, it's never fun, but it's not going to kill you. I promise you're well, not going to die from being turned down for a date. And, you know, I just want to bring this up because <laughs> Jeff considered me to be someone who could be special in his life before he met me by my picture online. Yeah, and, I just sort of And then he way. messaged me, hey, what's up? Or something very like, <laughs> not as eloquent as he usually is. <laughs> and I didn't reply. And he didn't give up. He had to message me a few times until he finally got creative and said something I I would respond to. <laughs> it was the third time. <laughs> so if it's one of those things, you know, don't give up. Be a little more creative. You might You might get a response. Well, and I think it's even okay to say, hey, you seem like a really cool person. Um, I'd like to get to know you better and then get put in a paragraph introducing yourself, uh, you know, doesn't hurt. Well, yeah. And I think when you take the time to do that, you're showing that you are interested in a way that you're willing to invest time in the introduction. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, those are a couple of the high points. Um, obviously, we don't have time to go into detail on everything but about asking someone out. But that's what the book's for. But that's what the book's for. You can <laughs> yeah. read about it in greater detail. And now once the first date is arranged, the next chapter is now what? Now what do we do with that first date? And it's all things first date oriented. Right. Because there's a lot to a first date. I will begin by saying that most of my first dates were, were pretty simple and cheap. And I don't mean that I'm a cheap person, although I kind of am, but, um, but I would, you know, I took girls out to dinner and things, you know, it wasn't, and it, it was generally to relatively nice places when I did that. It wasn't just Applebee's or something. And I hope I didn't offend you if you love Applebee's, but um, the, the point is you don't really know what you're going to get, particularly if you met this person online and you, you don't really know them that well. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to go spend 50, 60 bucks on, a, on an evening together uh, to dinner and a show or something like that uh, that could be anywhere between 50 and 100 bucks if you, don't, if you don't really have a sense if there's potential. So typically I would say, hey, could we meet? at the Barnes and Noble Starbucks and have a soda together. And, you know, if you get along, uh, stretch it out two or three hours. Right. If you so don't, 30 minutes. I think what you're <laughs> saying is dating doesn't have to break you. It, it doesn't have to break the bank. Right. And, it, and it can be as much as you want to invest in it and still be fun. Right. Um, and, you know, we actually go beyond, you know, those details into the fact that um, dating's not a game and not to dwell on your divorce stories or focus on red flag interviews. Because, you know, who wants to go to a first date and be asked all of their most personal things right up front as if they're being judged? Well, and sometimes sometimes people get to swapping divorce stories. Right. And it feels good kind of in the moment. The problem is it kind of leaves you cold at the end. When, when you spent the whole time bagging on your ex and the other, your partner's ex. And, and it's really not, um, not the way to introduce yourself to someone. I mean, it's okay if things here and there come, out, come up. 
uh, I try to keep that positive uh, as much as possible or neutral at mm -hmm. least. Yeah, we give all sorts of ideas of other things you can talk about and also first date etiquette. Right, and, and so I think um, one aspect, like I said, is I keep it simple and cheap for the first date. Another, like we just went over, um, let's avoid a lot of negativity about former spouses or partners. And then third, uh, we talked about, um, we red talked about, about the red flag interview. And, and there's one thing I want to say about that. This is really common. Uh, when I met women who, uh, were single who were divorced. What did you learn from your divorce? Almost invariably, they would say, Oh, I ignored red flags. And when that's your story and you believe, well, I, I ignored something really important about this person and therefore my life got messed up. It's really common to want to cover all those red flag topics. Yeah. Become a detective basically on the first date where you just ask all these questions that uh, are very suspicious. Right. And sometimes we see red flags if, if we've got some trauma involved, which most of us do, almost all of us, I'd think. Right. So we have to be mm. able to separate that out. And that kind of goes back to the finding peace part right. in, the, in the first section. So that's an important <clears throat> thing, too, is, you know, I wouldn't go into the really scary questions uh, on the first date, typically, uh, you know, why did your divorce happen? Um, have you ever done porn? Uh, are you into, you know, did you cheat on your spouse? I mean, go down. Yeah, down I think it's better to find out if your personalities are compatible, if you're, if the things you want in the future make sense right. before you get that personal. Right. And so. yeah, because that can just really, just like, I mean, I don't want to say this too graphically, but just like you wouldn't make love on your first date, go all the way with someone physically. Don't go all the way emotionally either. You know, build up to that through authentic conversation, but, you know, don't give it all at once. Well, yeah. And I think if you come into it being willing to be vulnerable and share when it's appropriate, then you'll know when that time comes. Right. Yeah. Um, the fourth chapter in this six chapter section is courtship and the law of attraction. And that there we go into the beautiful definitions of courting, right. fashion courting, and also uh, the law of attraction and how it works with dating and attracting your partners. Hint, hint, think of King Arthur and courtly love when you think of the word courtship. Uh, so that's one of the one of the elements we're gonna t that we talk about in the book, and I'll let you read the book to to get the full story on that. Yeah, the law of attraction is also about how what we put our focus on, we get more of. So right. if you are dating and you focus on all the worst dates you've ever had and tell everyone about them, you're going to keep attracting horrible dates. Right. I actually got in this habit of only talking about my awesome dates and I attracted more of that. And I don't, I think people might have thought, well, maybe she just got lucky and she's never had a bad date. I had, I had my share, but I just, I don't talk about them. I right. didn't even write about them in our book because it's not what I want to attract in my life. Right. 
And, and same here. I mean, now I will say on the whole, I dated really outstanding women. I still feel that way. I do. I do too. And and about the men I dated, even though I didn't marry most of them, I married one of them. Uh, and they're such great people. They're still friends with both of us. Yeah. Many of them yeah. are still, still friends with us. So, uh, but I think if you're inclined to be positive, to speak well of the people you've dated in the past, uh, people notice that and it attracts positive people to you. Uh, I, I think people are leery of people who are always gossiping or talking negatively about others. And they may think, well, how's this person talking about me when I'm not in the room? Right. And so, and, and, you know, word gets around in the singles community. It's And you really never know how you might end up meeting your future companion. It might be through a former dating partner if you're on good terms. Right. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen recently. Absolutely. Uh, the next chapter is unhealthy relational transitioning. And that word is what I prefer to use to uh, counter the commonly used phrase, break up or dump. Mm -hmm. I, I don't love those phrases. And it goes into greater detail in the book. But uh, basically, I believe that if you have a sincere relationship with someone, you transition it to whatever it's meant to be, whether you transition into a marriage eventually or into a, a friendship and a kind uh, regard for each other if it wasn't meant to be a romantic forever. Right. I mean, there are many former dating partners of mine, uh, and I know this is true of Kathy as well, that I'm friends with on Facebook. And we don't chat much, you know, uh, we occasionally, if it's somebody's birthday, I'll write on their wall and say happy birthday or whatever. I still consider them friends, even if we're not in regular contact. And anytime I do contact or be contacted by a female friend, uh, I, you know, I will share that with Kathy. And I do the same thing. And that is uh, something we have between us, an agreement that keeps our marriage safe and um and it keeps us also friends with each other's friends. Right. We're, yeah, we are, we're very open with each other about those kind of communication, which, yeah, like you said, it's infrequent. One of Kathy's former dating partners is also a friend of, of mine, and I've gone and done things with him without Kathy uh, on a few occasions. And normally when, when we approach him about getting together, um, I'll do it because I'm the same-sex friend. And we kind of you know, sort of try to move that direction, but, but it's wonderful to have friends and you know, this, this, uh, life and life as a mid single can be hard enough without making enemies. So I say that, you know, the, the more relationships you develop and are able to keep and preserve and keep kind and positive and good, uh, the better. Right. And I want to say something about being on the other side of this that if you're the one being transitioned or if you prefer being broken up with and it wasn't your choice, if, if you're in that position, there is a temptation to be bitter, particularly if you have history where you've been hurt in the past. Uh, and, and I can't say that I always did this perfectly. I mean, you know, it's hard, but I will say, like I said a minute ago, the mid-singles world, people talk. Uh, I mean, Kathy and I, um, 
well, Kathy and a former dating partner of mine, uh, we went to dinner recently and, you know, we compare, uh, compared notes about the fact that both of them had dated me and both of them had dated another guy. Uh, they had dated two guys in common. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's usual, but people... It's not that unusual. Yeah. People mingle in the mid-singles community. Word gets around. If you're somebody who, you know, when you had a, a breakup conversation or whatever you want to call it, a transition, and you you were kind of nasty or bitter, um, word can get around and it, it diminishes your, your other prospects. Well, and in this case, and, and this made me feel good, even five years later, I found out that this guy had told her, oh, yeah, she's like you. You're both high-quality women. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's kind of sweet. And they both are, by the way. I and I never heard them. that. I just mm. happened to hear it from someone who had heard that from him and shared it, you know, five years later. <laughs> so Right. I will say another thing, too. You don't always know what the future is going to bring. Um, Kathy and I transitioned at one point uh, for over a year. And uh, I was, you know, really hurt in the beginning, but I... I gradually moved back into a friendship with her that became pleasant and mutually affirming and all of that. And we weren't in constant contact, although we messaged each other fairly often and we shared certain ideas from our personal development journeys. And, and we even met up a few times during that year as friends. Um, Which I always enjoyed by the way. Me too. Um, but there was another woman that I was dating uh, toward the later part of that year who I didn't know at the time, but I found out later she contacted a friend of Kathy's uh, who was a mutual friend with her to ask about me. And of course um, I said, he's great. Go for him. <laughs> right. And, and he didn't know this because I thought it was like girl talk and that, you know, girl code that you don't share with the guy that they're checking up on him. So, and plus I gave him a good recommendation. So, you know, I felt good about that. Right. But it illustrates the fact that people do talk and, um, you know, what if I had, had been nasty to that woman, which I, I wasn't. Um, and she broke up with me and incidentally and said, I think you're still in love with Kathy, which was also true. But, you know, if I had gotten bitter toward her, well, that might have gotten back to Kathy and then... Or vice versa. Right. <laughs> so... If you and I weren't friends, I probably couldn't have spoken much to your character at that point. Right. So, again, illustrating the point that people talk, you should know that, and conduct yourself with dignity and respect the dignity of others and honor their agency, even if you don't fully understand or agree. Which is not only the right thing to do, but it will bless your life too. Right. Yeah. All right. So along with healthy relational transitioning is also radical acceptance. If you are transitioned and you might be tempted to have your thoughts spiral and spin out of control about your worth as a person and, you know, all that. I know I always could, 
you know, I could go there. Or maybe the judgment that you place on the other person with the way they handled it or whatever. They didn't give me enough of a chance, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Um, You know, one of my dating partners once picked up a leaf from a tree and said, plants are so smart because they know how to take poison and create life. And I remember experiencing a transition that I didn't expect or want or facilitate. And I went and picked a leaf from a tree. It was in the fall, I believe. And I, I looked at that and I, I just, in that moment, I radically accepted all of the details of it. I don't even remember them now, but I know that I could have spiraled into judgment and frustration and cost myself weeks worth of emotional turmoil. And I just accepted in that moment that, yeah, maybe life handed me just a slight bit of poison and I decided to create life with it. And, and I felt so much lighter doing that. You know, I've got another thing to say that doesn't sound related to this, but I, but it, it will come back around to it because it, it actually is. I, I've had the experience at times of not really wanting to admit that I was the one dumped or transitioned or whatever you want to call it. And even though I kind of was, and so I'd have to concoct a, some kind of story in my mind about how it was mutual or um, it was me that, that wanted to end the relationship or whatever. And you can cause yourself a lot of angst trying to make all the pieces fit together and you know work it out to where it was your idea and not theirs or it was mutual. Or you could just tell the truth. <laughs> you could just say, I got dumped or I got transitioned. And this has... Um, something to do with a a lot of of elements of moving on from a relationship. So just keep in mind, everybody gets dumped about an average of 50% of the time if you date very long. And because sometimes you're going to end it, sometimes the other person is going to end it. And it's okay. I promise you won't die of it. The thing I really want to encourage is don't make it about you. If the other person decides that you're not the person for them, hey, you're not for everyone. You're for that one special person you're going to find who chooses you and who you choose. And it never works out until it does. And so, but in the meantime, it's not personal. Yeah, don't make it about yourself that, oh, I must not be worthy enough. I must not be good enough. I must not be interesting enough. There's so many uh, times when we do that, and it's it's not helpful. Uh, admit to yourself, okay, I'm not for him or I'm not for her. Uh They've decided that. And even if I think their reasons are dumb, even if I really wanted to try, when they've made up their mind, it's a waste of your life energy to continue to fight it. Right. And I believe that we all really want to be with someone who wants to be with us. And so if that's not their choice, then look forward to 
finding or meeting or even discovering someone you already know who does make that choice. Right. If you're, if you are put in the friend zone, um, another way of talking about some of this, it's okay to stay friends. Uh, Kathy and I have just talked about that in this broadcast, but I wouldn't continue to invest in it in the hope that it will change that it will morph into a dating relationship. I think in a lot of ways, that's the only reason we ended up coming back together was because we didn't think it would happen. Yeah, I, I was not um, secretly plotting that I would stay, keep my foot in the door by being friends and then, you know, eventually work it into something else. I think it happens sometimes. And it happened with us because we were both, working at dating other people and and we were sincere friends right and uh so i you know i i think it does happen sometimes but if you're trying to orchestrate that and you're continuing to invest in a relationship where the other person has told you they don't think it's working or they don't th think they're interested you're just setting yourself up for more pain uh, if there's an expectation there that that won't be met, right? I mean, in literature, if it's a happy, if it's a happy surprise, that's another thing. But right. I think the expectation could be very disappointing. Yeah, in literature, we call that unrequited love, and you know, we've heard lots of stories and been involved in stories where somebody kept trying, even though the other person was very clear. Watch the movie 500 Days of Summer sometime. Uh, but <laughs> when the other person's made it really clear that, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in you that way. Um, you know, I mean, we take that hard. It, we think it says something about our attractiveness or our character or our spirituality or something. You know, what, why was I so off-putting to this other person or unacceptable and you can really you know play heck with your head uh playing those games and trying to puzzle all that out yeah so radical acceptance just helps you move forward a lot faster it helps you heal from a loss more quickly and it helps you move on to other opportunities much faster than if you stew or wish it were different or wonder why it, it's not different yeah, I mean, and that includes after your divorce, if you're a divorced individual. And, and I will say I was stuck in that in that quicksand for a long time. Yeah, Jeff and I both suffered more with our divorces than we needed to. We can look back and think, and now know, knowing what we know now, get past all of that anguish so much faster. You'll, you definitely have to feel your feelings, right. but you don't have to create more agony for yourself. Right. And the way you create more agony for yourself is what Kathy said a minute ago. It's where you think something is, is wrong. Something is out of place. It wasn't supposed to be like this. And, and we can make those judgments and we can think that we're right about it, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's so because we are all, all came to earth to learn and we all have agency and we, our interactions are not perfect. Right. And you know, you may think, well, it was a mistake for me to get together with this person and, you know, 2020 hindsight, 
say, I shouldn't have gotten together with that person and therefore look at how my life has turned out. And then just have a lot of regret. and A lot of regret, a lot of bitterness. And instead, here's how I would like you to at least try this thought on. Uh, maybe it was a mistake, but if you made it, it was a mistake you were meant to make. Do you think God didn't know that you would make this mistake? Do you really think in his infinite wisdom, uh, he, he wanted you to do something else? No, he knew you were going to make the mistakes you make. He knew how you would handle the situations that life presented to you. And the same is true of your former spouse if you're divorced. And so instead of saying it wasn't meant to be this way, say it was meant to be this way. This is my path. This is the path that God allowed me to travel. And he has his reasons for doing that. And if I've learned something from a past mistake that I can take into the future and make better decisions in the future, well, then I, I learned and I grew. And that was part of my path. Well, and part of radical acceptance is giving it to God, right. allowing him to guide you uh, to wherever you're meant to be from where you are now. And whatever has happened, if the, you know, you know how it is as it should be because it is. Right. It is exactly as it should be because it is. Right. God could have prevented it any time. So, and sometimes he does. Right. And sometimes he doesn't because there are lessons to learn. Right. And, you know, we end these six fabulous chapters with a few of our own adventures in dating. It's a short chapter, but it's fun. And it can give ideas and get people excited about uh, the, all the possibilities. Yeah. And I'll just say parenthetically, if you're one of my former dating partners and there's not a date that I went on with you in this Really, there wasn't room or time, and we thought it would be self-indulgent to put too many stories right. in there of our own. Yes, there's so many really great, that. really great dates that didn't make it in, but right. So um, there's plenty that did. So right. Anyway, you'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, we look forward to you getting this book in your hands and and getting it out to the world. We think it has a lot of of good information for you, and. And part of it is helping you with radical acceptance, helping you to see, no, things happened for a reason. Nothing's out of place. The cosmos isn't out of balance. Uh, things are as they were supposed to be. The question is, what are you going to do going forward? So uh, I know it's easy to say that, and, and it is honestly how I feel, but it took me a long time to get there. Yeah, and this is the book that we wish we would have had when we were there. And um, we're really excited about bringing it to you this fall. And we're excited because any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening to Love in Later Years, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.